today. I've got a few announcements. Um, one announcement from the cleaning team as well. And they asked, would you kindly, um, in the little places where the hymnals are, please do not put trash in those areas. In different sections of the uh, sanctuary, we do have trash cans, and they ask that you please put it there. Amen? Amen. Amen. And today we are also celebrating the 52nd anniversary of our ushers. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord for their faithfulness. Amen. Amen. And our guest today at 3 p.m. will be Mount Horeb Baptist Ministries, and the pastor is Reverend Gregory Nichols. Amen. We're looking forward to a high time in the Lord. I want to see all of our members back to show love for our ushers and to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And real quickly, I see some friends in the house that I have met, and it's a joy to know them. Brother and Sister Henderson's in the house. Raise your hand. Amen. They live right down the road, and I brought Brother Henderson over at the Marlboro Community Center on fire for the Lord, and I figured his wife was too. And on last night, I met her, and she is on fire for the Lord. It's just good to know saints of God is on fire for the Lord. Amen. It's good to have y'all this morning too. And as well, they just, they just good givers out of their hearts, and they just blessed us with an offering as well, and I just praise the Lord because they are just good folks. Praise the Lord. And not even members of the church, but they got the heart of God. Amen. Amen. And that's all that matters because we are all members of the universal church. Right? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It was good to have y'all. Amen. Are y'all ready for the word? Amen. Amen. Well, let us go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I like that. I heard somebody say, I'm hungry. And my brother Henderson, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Amen. In this first epistle to the Corinthians by Paul the Apostle, we have spent the last four weeks digging into this text. And we have saw a lot of things that God is requiring of us to be true, loving disciples of God. And we're going to continue today and see some more truths from this great chapter, which has been called the love chapter. Amen. 
In the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 13, starting at verse 8, you will find these words. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. And this morning, I just want to speak with you for a few moments from the thought. Love never fails. Love never fails. We have been made aware that love for the body of Christ is an evangelism issue. If we are to attract those without to become those within, we do it by showing our love for one another. So many times we think that it's because we sing so well or we have various choirs or ministries that it draws those outside in. So many times we think it's because how well we have structure in the building or how well those who can speak in tongues or those who can prophesy and preach and it's all of those things we think that is the real evangelism issue. But I tell you, it is not. It is love. No matter how much preaching and how eloquent the voices are, how beautiful the sounds of the choir, if folk come in and they see that there's no love in the house, they're going right back out the door. Because they're looking for that first before everything else. They weren't looking for the choir before they came in and they won't be looking for the choir when they leave out if they don't find some love. But when they find love in the place, when they see genuine love that we have for one another, they're going to be attracted to it. Because what does the world need? Love. That's what's missing outside the camp. Outside the camp is missing love. And if there's no love in the camp, then how pitiful are they who are outside? 
But God has left us here to be his disciples. And that we are to show love for one another. Not just an ooey gooey kind of love. Not just a love that we talk, I love you. But it's a love that we show. By doing the things that Paul has broke down for us in this chapter. As I said earlier, they're simple, but they're not easy. Because we are a fallen people in a fallen world. We got selfishness, we got envy, we got jealousy, we got all of these things working against us. But still greater is he that's within us than he is in the world. The Holy Spirit was sent that we would have power to be witnesses to Judea, Samaria, Maria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so as the church is growing to the uttermost, yet we are not tapping into the spirit that is within us to give us witnessing power to the world. Because when we do, we will love one another. Remember that love has that mindset that when we come together as believers, we're looking to bless somebody else. We're looking to come into this house and say, who can I pray for today? Who can I say an encouraging word to? Who can I hug today that's feeling down? Who might need something from me that I've gotten from God? Where are they? How can I show some goodly, godly kindness to my brother or sister in the Lord? That's love. And so this text begins to reiterate some things that Paul has already alluded to. And he's alluded to these things in chapter 12. Because at the end of chapter 12, he says, I show you a more, what? Excellent way. Better than trying to be fancy with your talk and be fancy with your dress and be fancy with your finances and be fancy with your tongue, but a better way, a more excellent way in love. And the reason why this is so important in this particular passage of scripture is we find that love never fails. Love never fails to glorify God. Love never fails. Love never fails to unify you and me together. Because if I love you and you love me, we're going to continue to be together. Because love is the tie that binds us together. Love never fails. Even when I sin against you or you sin against me, love never fails. Because the Bible lets us know that love covers a multitude of sins. See, that's the whole idea behind love. See, love, when you talked about me and you didn't treat me right, will not cause me to treat you wrong. But love will cause me to pray for you. And at every opportunity, still encourage you because I know the frailty of this life. And that one of these days, you may come asking for forgiveness. And because I love you, I'll be ready to forgive you. Love never fails. You can't go wrong when you're loving somebody. You can't mess up no matter how messed up we are. If you love one another, there's no way to mess up because love covers a multitude of sin. And when you got this kind of love, you got God because God is love. 
the text. Verse 8 says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. I, I don't care how many years you spend in seminary learning about theological concepts and soteriology and ecclesiology, eschatology. You, you learn all of these concepts, the, the writings of Luther and Jonathan Edwards, and you learn all of these things and these concepts, Old and New Testament survey. You learn all of these things, the Holy Spirit, pneumatology. You got all of this knowledge, but it still fails. It fails because the same stuff that you learn is being going through an imperfect vessel. So sometimes we get things wrong. And there will become a day when prophecies will cease. Prophecies will no longer be needed. And in this context, preaching is the idea behind that. There won't be no need for preaching because we'll be in the presence of God. But look at the text. It also says that where there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. All of our getting and all of our getting of knowledge and the problems that was in the church at Corinth was that they were competing to see who could speak in tongues better than the next person. We don't have that issue here at New Zion, but maybe somebody trying to sing better than somebody else or usher better than somebody else or do one of the support roles better than somebody else. But all that stuff is going away. But love never fails. See, you can put down all of that stuff. You can put down whether I sang the song good or not, whether I preached the sermon right or not, if you got love. If you got love, it'll look over all that stuff. It'll pray for you and then say you'll do better next time. But thank you for what you did good today. That's what love will do. See, love builds up and hate breaks down. But love never fails. Verse 9 says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. You know, sometimes we think we got it all figured out. Churches divide over doctrine. Somebody got to be wrong. Because everybody can't be right. If you say it's this way and I say it's another, there is a true way. But look what happens because we only see in parts. See, we think we see everything clearly. But this text allows us to see, wait a minute, hold on. We prophesy in part and we know in part because we don't know everything. We are finite minded people who have 66 books in the Bible to refer to. And nobody knows everything that's in this word. So when we get dogmatic about something and think we've got it all figured out, we still know in part. But it goes back to love never fails. See, love gets put on the back burner when we argue and fight over these things and we divide and we start to hate one another and we say those folks over there, them Baptists, they ain't right. Or those holiness, they ain't right. Or those Methodists, they ain't right. 
That's the vision, and, and we're pushing each other away. But who knows who is absolutely right? Amen. We will not know the truth of it all until God makes it clear. Because we've learned as much as we learn, but we don't know it all. So we got to have some love for one another even then. Because love bears everything. Love is in a place to say, you know what? I don't agree completely with what you believe. And you don't agree completely with what I believe. But I love you. And you love me. Because the key thing is that we love Jesus. See, oh, what a world it would be if the universal church was not fighting each other over philosophical issues. If we could really love one another. But I contend we even have those problems inside the church because inside a local body, everybody's not at the same level. People are coming along learning and then we look at one person because they think this way and then we separate ourselves instead of putting our arms around each other and encouraging one another and helping each other along in his word. Praise the Lord. What would have happened if Priscilla and Aquila had not come alongside of Apollos? Apollos was an eloquent speaker, a great speaker, and people wanted to hear, but he didn't have his complete knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came right alongside. They didn't call him stupid. They didn't say he's a heretic. But they came alongside and they encouraged him and helped get his knowledge to where it needed to be. That's what God is calling for us to be. To come alongside one another. To encourage one another. To help bring one another to the place at which God wants us to be as a church. We look at the Old Testament text where Miriam, Moses' sister, had talked against Moses' wife. And God became angry with Miriam and struck her down with leprosy. If you remember that story, what happened was when she was struck with leprosy, she had to be outside of the camp. But I saw some love in the Israelites. I saw some love because the Israelite camp didn't say, too bad for you, we out of here. The Bible taught that they tarried with her. They tarried even though she was outside the camp. They did not get far from her. And I believe that the Israelites were praying for Miriam. Because God showed mercy on Miriam and healed her. And then brought her back into the fold and they went on together. But it says that they tarried until she was healed. You know that saints of God that fall under leprosy sometimes. The ideology is that sometimes we get off. Sometimes we get mad with one another. Sometimes something happens to hurt us and we kind of fall off. But a lot of times we just leave our people behind. They stop coming and out of sight is out of mind. But that's not what God is calling for if we really love. If we really love, we'll tear it for one another. We'll seek out the ones who have gotten lost and see what we can do to get them back on track, to encourage them, to minister them, to get the hurt out of them so that they can come back into the fold. Amen. To get those broken places and make them be whole again. Where the road become crooked that it be made straight. Because love never fails. This text says when I was a child 
I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When we were babies and children, we were babies, we were cooing at our mother's breast. We really didn't think about anything but ourselves. We were really, really selfish children. Our concepts, our understanding was all about getting fed, about getting what we wanted. We cried and we threw temper tantrums and we laid out because we were selfish. We were childish. But the rod of correction was not far from us. So foolishness that was bound up into the heart of a child, the rod of correction would depart it far from it. But the Bible lets us know foolishness was bound up in our hearts. When we were children, we spoke like children. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I have? Can I? 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 But when you grow up, you start to say, can we? Let us. Ours. But we see in this text that his thoughts was like a child. He didn't think on the things that were noble, but it was always about us. Always about I. And so now that we have grown up, we ought to be about us. Unfortunately, some of us are still about I. But we got to get about us. Because love never fails. When it becomes about us, there's an inseparable connection that each and every one of us will have with one another. And it will be a beacon light into darkness that will shine ever so bright. But it's got to be about us. And not about I. When he grew up, when he became a man, he understood these things. And so for we know, we, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He says, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. There's coming a day when we will be changed. Those of us who have trusted our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No longer will we have to deal with the frailties of life. No longer will we get upset at our husbands and wives for things that they have no control over. No longer will we get hurt by every little word that somebody says to us. No longer will we want to pack up our bags and quit just because things get a little hard. We'll be changed. And you know what's going to be there when all this metamorphosis occurs? Love. Love is going to be there. And you know what? We will then know as we are known. God knows us perfectly. He sees us in our condition and he sees who we are to become. But right now we don't see ourselves completely. We don't see who we are to become. If we knew that, then we would act differently. But in that day, we will know who we are to become because who we are to become will be who we are. We will be perfect and we will see God perfectly and he will see us perfectly in that day. So in light of knowing that this metamorphosis is to come, 
In light of knowing that this big change that will transcend our current life is to come, why don't we just go ahead and love? Why don't we just put down the things that we want for ourselves and look after somebody else? Because after a while, it's all burning up in the fire anyway. But we got to learn how to love. It's not just good enough to hear these words, but you got to do them. You got to practice this, just like you practice anything else. It's not natural for us to love like this. Because naturally, we are fallen beings. But it's supernatural. So we got to learn how to tap into the supernatural spirit that's within us so that we can supernaturally love one another. And as I come to a close, we see in verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now abides Trusting God completely in every aspect of our life. Faith. Believing God for that which we cannot see. Knowing that it exists because God said it was so. But then we have hope. Hope in a new Jerusalem that is to come. A new heaven and a new earth. A new life that there will be no more sin and no more death. And we're hoping that unswervingly. We don't want to go to the right or to the left. We want to stay like a flint with our purposes and our goals to get to that place. But even with all of that, there's love. The text says, and the greatest of these is love. Because one of these days we won't have to have faith anymore. Because faith is the substance of things hopeful and evidence of things not seen. But when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and when we're in the presence of the Lord where there's fullness of joy and at his right hand of pleasures forevermore, there's no need for faith. Because that which we have faith in has now been realized. There's no need for hope when there is the new Jerusalem and the new heaven and the new earth. Because it's all been complete. But even in that day, love. Because God is love. In that day when we're perfect, we will love perfectly. But right now is the time to learn how to love. Right now is the time to learn how to love one another in the mistakes that we make with one another. The things that we do, whether or not we meant it or not to forgive one another, and to work at the body staying unified. To be caring for one another now. Because in that great getting up morning, it will, love will never fail. Love will be perfect in that day. But for those outside to see the difference between us and them, they gotta see love. And so, as I close today, I can never forget The ultimate example for love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for the whosoevers that would believe on him that they would have everlasting life and they should not perish. 
Now this is for a people who did not love God, but yet he loved them. The shining example of one who would give out love, seeing beyond our faults and seeing our needs. When we yet slandered his name, when we let said everything bad about him, he still loved us. When they whipped him all night long, he loved us. Because he could have quit right there. He could have said, these heathens, people, these pagans, I'll just call down angels from heaven and destroy them all. But he loved us. He loved us so much that he was whipped all night long. He went to six kangaroo courts. He went from Annas to Caiaphas, from Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin, from Sanhedrin to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, and back to Pilate again. He was even betrayed by the Jews. And instead of them saying, give us Jesus, they said, give us Barabbas, a convicted thief. They would rather have a thief than have Jesus. With all of that rejection, but he didn't quit. For the joy set before him. He looked toward the cross, despising the shame. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. They marched him down the Via Della Rosa. And they marched him out of the walls of Jerusalem. They took him to a place called Gargatha's Hill, which meant the hill of the skull. On that hill was death and destruction. They hung him up between two thieves. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us so much, he could have looked to the left and to the right and said, what am I doing here between these thieves? I have done nothing wrong. He could have called down a legion of angels, but he didn't mumble. He didn't say a mumbling word because he loved us. He loved us so much that when they started to put nails in his hand, he didn't mumble. He didn't grumble and he didn't call down a legion of angels. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. Excruciating pain, but he didn't come off that cross because he loved you and me. If Jesus could do all that for us, can't we love one another just a little bit? Enough to forgive them for a word or two they say against us? For a time when you wish they had been there for you, but they weren't? Can we forgive ourselves on those little things if Christ did all of this for us when we yet hated him? So the story goes on to say that he was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, he laid his head into the locks of his shoulders and he died. He died for you and he died for me because he loves us. Love never fails. See, Jesus Christ is the epitome of love because if he wasn't love, then he could have failed before he got to the cross. But he didn't fail because he had love for us. So they took him down off of that cross and they put him in a bar tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. In that tomb all day Saturday. In that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early Sunday morning that he got up with all power in his hand. 
His father said, well done, that good and faithful servant. He raised him from the dead. But Jesus, because he loved us so much, he could have just went on back to glory right then. But he had some disciples that he needed to get straightened out because he loved them so much. He told the women to go get the disciples and Peter. And Peter, the one who denied him. The one who betrayed him, similar but not similar to Judas. But God knew that Peter would be repentant and that he called him because he loved him. He didn't leave Peter where he was. He could have left Peter groveling and crying and, and with guilt on his shoulders because he denied Jesus. But he said, he said to Peter, I forgive you. He said, come on, son. Come on back into the fold because you're going to be one who do great things for me. So we don't know who's sitting beside us. We don't know what great work God has for them. So we got to continue to live in a method and in a madness, if you will, of restoring one another. When we would and should say, forget you, we say, I forgive you. Because we're not like the world. We are a peculiar people. We are set apart. So the story goes on that he stayed for a 40-day layover. Encouraging the saints of God, showing himself to over 500 apostles. And then while walking in love with his disciples, continuing to encourage and keep them, one day he stepped out on the cloud and went back to glory. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. He could have went back to glory and then just enjoyed his glory there and forgot all about us, but he ain't quit yet. He's still working on our behalf because he loves us. And so when we're in a place of pleasure, when we're in a place that we may not be around our saints and friends, we should also be thinking about and praying for them. Because we are interceders for one another as well. And just because things are going good for us and not going so good for our brothers and sisters does not mean we shouldn't be praying for them. Because sometimes we get we get boastful and we get heady in our minds and we say, well, if things are going well for me, well, all I did, why come they can't do it? But you must remember that you are who you are because of the grace of God. And so one of these days, Jesus is coming back for this church. And who will he find faithful? You don't know the day nor the hour. But remember that love never fails. If he finds you faithful loving one another, you will be found faithful because love never fails. The doors of the church are open. If there is somebody here who does not know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's now time to give your life to him. The story has allowed us to see that Christ died for us. That he loved us so much that he gave all of himself for you. And so if you don't know him today, you can come. It won't cost you anything because Jesus paid it all. You can come just as you are. Because you don't need to get yourself fixed up. Because God is going to do the work in you. But don't be found outside 
when you could be inside. Don't be found when the Lord comes and the doors are closed that you're knocking on the side, outside saying, Lord, let me in. And the Lord says to you, no, for I never knew you. Today is the day of salvation. Why don't you come? Come to Jesus, come to Jesus just now, just now. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus just Save you. He 
see. Right. So, I need to watch here. Right? Amen. 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 We decided to come here. Amen. 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 Amen.